Colossians 3. Typically, I don't take as many sermons out of one passage as I have this one, but there's just stuff in there that I don't want to pass over. And it would be easy to do that. You'll find out after we're through with it today. I've talked to you, and and we're dealing with genuine Christianity versus counterfeit. That's what that which Paul says in the New uh, Colossians three one. That which is real, and and in dealing with things that are real, sometimes it sort of pops us in areas where we're not necessarily right. Uh, When I go to a preaching conference. And, and I listen to other preachers. I don't want them to sit there and tickle my ears. I don't want them to sit there and tell me what a good person I am. I know how pitiful I am sometimes. I don't want somebody just to sugarcoat things. And if you want to be sugarcoated, man, there are enough churches and there are enough television preachers going on. You can just get just about whatever diet you want. But I try to look at it from the perspective of giving it to you just like it's written, like it's stated. And I can't preach the whole Bible at one time, and maybe there'll be times that we'll get into a book or different things. But today, you know, I've been talking to you about the higher plane. The higher plane is where you and I have the ability as believers not to have our mind on earthly things all the time. We can control our thoughts, and you should be doing that. You know, your mind doesn't have to stay on junk. In the hidden position, the Bible says there's not a sin, past, present, or future that you and I have committed that wasn't nailed to that cross that covered the, your salvation through the blood of Jesus. Now, if you don't believe that, take it up with Jesus. I, I'm sorry, that's just what it says, and that's what it, it uh, preaches out. So, you know, I'm not going to argue with you. But the fourth I introduced to you last week was heavenly power. <clears throat> it's found in verse 4. And when Christ, Jesus Christ, here he, gives a, he says, Who is your real life is revealed to the whole world, you shall share in all of his glory. His glory is the heavenly power that he was given. You know, there are some people that believe that Jesus did not exist until he was born as a baby. That's, a, that's not biblical. Jesus has always been. He's just as been, always been eternal as his father was eternal. And so, Christ was not just supposed to be a part of your life. Jesus is supposed to be your life. Now, unfortunately, you, many of you got a lot of things in your life, and you claim, well, I just can't serve Jesus because I'm so busy. Well, then you need to unbusy it. Because that's not going to be a good excuse when you stand before Jesus. And Jesus said, okay, we're going to, at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to take an examination of your works. And you say, well, Jesus, I was just too busy. I got news for you. That's not going to hold water. And I'm just telling you now, because he's going to tell you then. (laughs) And and I'll be standing before him just like you're going to be standing before him, giving an account of the good deeds and and the bad deeds and all the things that have gone on in my life. I'm just a paper boy. 
I'll tell you what the paper says, but you got to obey it. I, I can't. And I don't want you getting mad at me because it might be something you're doing wrong. You need to know what you're doing wrong. Would you say amen to that? If you're doing something wrong, you need to know you're doing it wrong. I want to know if I'm doing something wrong, especially if, if I'm blind to it. Well, you see, when it comes to God's heavenly power, I, I know when I, before I got saved, you, do you know who I was concerned about? Me. It was all about me. I, you weren't in my thoughts before I got saved, didn't know who you were. When I walked around, when I worked, when I went to church, I really, before I got saved, it was just all about me. But then I got saved. Jesus became Savior and Lord of my life. And then all of a sudden, I realized that Christ now lives in me. And it ain't about me anymore. It's about Him. It's about what He wants. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. It's about Him. Now, some of you are believers, and some of you accepted Jesus, and you claim that you know Him, but you still make it just about you. If I say something from this pulpit that you don't like, you get all puffed up and mad. I don't agree with the preacher. Hey, look, it ain't about you. It's about him. If he teaches it, he believes it. If that's the way it is, I don't, it doesn't matter what we believe. It doesn't matter what he teaches and what he says that you and I are to obey. When Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, I believe that's exactly what he means. But there are a lot of things we say, well, we just can't do that. Then it's all about you. Because the Bible says, if we, he can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, then it means I can do some things that I'm not comfortable with. You think I'm comfortable here preaching and sharing all this before you? You are, Lulu. I'm never comfortable about this. I, I never take this for granted. I never take this as a job. This is a calling. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, <clears throat> the prophet said, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Nothing is too hard for you. Have you ever heard somebody, well, I do that, but that's just too hard. Really? If God lives in you, and Christ wants to use you, why would you use the excuse, that's too hard? Not too hard for God. There's nothing God cannot do. There's no sinner that God cannot save. There is no prayer that God cannot answer. There's no miracle that God cannot perform. There's nothing that God cannot do. When we speak of the power of God, we speak uh, maybe uh, uh, what theologians say, they call it the omnipotence of God. That means God is all-powerful. And God, if you're real, if you're a real believer, God is in you. You have the omnipotent power in you, in me. 
Psalms 33, verse 6 says, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and the stars were born. (laughs) How about that? That's your God. They are never tasked too difficult for God. God never comes up with a problem that's too hard to solve. There's no problem that he cannot solve. There's no question that he can't answer. God's unlimited. That's your father. Your heavenly father. Psalms 33 says that God spoke the world into existence. I'm I'm telling you, some of you don't believe that. Some of you have bought the commentation philosophy of one verse in the Bible. It says that a day unto the Lord in 1 Peter or 2 Peter is likened unto a thousand years. Unto the Lord. And here's what we do. Well, it took God a thousand years. So, therefore, if he created the earth in six days, we're looking at 6,000 years it took. Baloney. There are those that say, I don't believe he could have done it in such a quick time. There are those that believe it took six million years for God to create the earth. That's not what the Bible says. As a matter of fact. If you go to Genesis chapter 1 and take the word day and go to your Hebrew lexicon, do you know what it will uh, mean in the English? 24-hour day. Let me tell you what I believe about God. God could have created this earth in six seconds had he wanted to. Why he chose six days, I don't know. I know why he rested on the seventh, but he chose six days. Why? Because God is a powerful God. God didn't need science to help him. He didn't need uh, the Big Bang Theory to help him figure it out. He didn't need evolution to happen. He didn't need the amoeba to take place to provide. God spoke it into existence. And I had a professor in Bible college. That chapped her hide that I believed that. She said, God is no magician. No, he's greater than a magician. Magicians only do illusions. God did the real thing. He put the earth here for you and I, and he spoke it, and it happened. We didn't evolve. We didn't come from monkeys. And yet, The educational system that we send our kids to won't even teach creation as a theory. And you can't figure out that the enemy is taking over? You know what makes me so sick? You kids can take the Bible, have your Bible studies, and call prayer meetings, but adults can't. You know what? If you ain't figured out that that is backwards and evil... You're just blind and dumb. Is that the way it is at your house when the kids get up? 
if they don't want eggs and you've cooked eggs and they want cereal or, or they, did they rule the roost at your house? You need to learn how to be a parent. I'm meddling now. I know I've left. I'm meddling. But the schools determine and run and rule the spiritual nature, and they're the ones that need to be taught. Well, we can't have a prayer meeting unless a child calls it, you dummy. And we think that that is correct. He didn't correct at my house. Now, it's true. When I raised my kids, I was a little tougher on them. Even my, one of my oldest looked at me one day and said, Daddy, have you forgotten how you disciplined us? I said, yeah, when I had grandkids. I don't know how to discipline no more. But I don't have to because I'm not the parent. Amen? And the grandparents said, no. No, you beat them to death. I did that already. I, I took care of mine. They know right from wrong. And now they can do all the wrong because I know eventually they'll learn from that. I'm not talking about my grandkids. I'm talking about my boys. God, through his heavenly power, did it all alone. Listen to Hebrews 1. Listen to this real good. Let your ears hear this. Long ago. God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. But now, in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son, Jesus. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through His Son, He made the universe and everything in it. The Son reflects God's own glory. And everything about him represents God exactly. He sustains, listen to this, he sustains the universe by the mighty power of God and his command. After Jesus died to cleanse us from the stain of sin, and that's exactly what Colossians 2, 14 tells us, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God his father. I don't know where this world's going. I'll be honest. But there's one thing I do know. God is still in control. You'll remember these day, words one day. Now, when I look at the news, it looks like nobody's in control. But I know that my God, who spoke this world into existence is still, how do I know that? Well, he told Noah to build a boat, didn't he? And why did he tell Noah to build a boat? He said, my people are no longer following me. My people are no longer listening to me. My people have left the commandments. My people have left the word of God. And I am going to destroy them. I'm killing everybody except those that believe in me. Do you believe that Noah was the only family? I do. I have to. When God sent warning to the Sodom and Gomorrah, what did he say? He said, Lot, you tell them. 
I'm coming and I'm going to send down fire and brimstone from heaven and I'm destroying this perverted city because they've left my commandments. Did he do it? He sure did. And if you think God is not going to deal with the junk that's going on around us, you got another thing coming. Just make sure you're not caught up in it. The third, no, fourth, is a holy practice. When you preach on holiness, everybody gets busted, including me. Look at verse 5. What does holiness mean? Well, listen to these words now. Holiness comes across according to the Father. He gives us the guide. Trust me, Colossians 3 is in the Bible. Verse 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. You hear that? How can we put them to death? Because Jesus went and died on the cross, and when he died on the cross, Colossians says we died. So we have the power to put to death those sinful earthly things lurking within us. Have nothing to do with sexual sins, impurity, lust, shameful desires. You say, my goodness. We're living in a world that not only but must believe in it, that it's okay, but we're getting plastered with it. By everything we see. <laughs> Verse 8 says, by now, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Verse 9, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off. Listen to this. You have stripped off. The old evil nature, if you're a real believer, and you have replaced it with a new divine nature of heaven through the Holy Spirit. Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 2.14 through chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. He classifies us in three categories. One, there's the natural man. Two, there's the carnal man. Three, there's the spiritual man. Now, who's lost in that bunch? According to context, not what you believe or not what you think, according to context, the natural man is lost. He doesn't know Jesus. All he has is the Adamic nature. But the carnal man has been saved. The carnal you could refer to as a milk Christian. You could refer to someone who got saved But for some reason, they're not growing. They've chose to still do it their way. If you're going to grow, thirdly, category spiritual man, you got to do it his way, man. Spiritual men are men that are not perfect. But they are men who are growing. Spiritually, they're hungry. They, they, They love to read the Word of God. They like to have Bible studies. They like to be taught. There's nothing wrong with that. 
We should hunger for that. Real Christianity is holy, devout, clean living, moral, and upright. Well, Paul says, listen, be aware, because evidently the church was caught up in it. He said there are sensual sins that we have to deal with. He lists them. He says there are sexual sins, impurity, lust, and shameful desire. What does he say to do with them? Put them to death. The Scripture says for you and I, in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, run away from sexual sin. Don't run to them. Run away from them. No other sin so clearly affects the body as that one does. Sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Most of us in here have been affected by that. And some of you may be affected by that now. God hadn't changed his mind from Exodus 20, verse 14. says, you shall not commit adultery. Adultery is sin. Now, we have to be careful. And I know how some of you are. Some of you get to thinking, well, I don't commit adultery. But you gossip. You lie. You don't tell the truth. Is adultery worse than lying? No. So what some of us will do, because we don't commit adultery, but we gossip or we lie, we get to thinking, we ain't such a bad person after all. Be careful. You and I are supposed to run from those things that would seek to destroy us. He also mentions, he gives a grocery list of social sins. Look at it. Anger, which is basically out of controlled hostility. You know, when I was young growing up, I never heard anything about an anger management class. (laughs) I think anybody would do anything to make a dollar today. Now, I knew what anger was about. I saw that in my daddy. Make that dude mad. He got angry. But you see, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't carry your anger over to the next day. Deal with it that day. But I guarantee you, there's people in here that if I hit on the right thing about the right subject, all of a sudden you'd start getting mad and bowing up. Why? Because you're carrying anger. You can't, you're not supposed to do that. You're not going to grow spiritually. If somebody touches you on the shoulder, you bow up and get mad. Hey, I got news for you. You got anger issues. The Scripture says, if you want to know what the Bible says, don't let, don't deal with it today and don't let it grow back. Don't let it come back. You're the one that's letting it stay. He deals with wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, and lying. And then the third is shameful sins. Turn to Romans 1. I, if you got a Bible, I want you to hear this. I'm so sick of politically hearing all this junk on, on uh, CNN and Fox News and all this stuff. I'm going to look. I know that adultery is just as wrong as homosexuality. It is. 
And homosexuality is wrong just like fornication. What's fornication? That's when you're living together. You're not married. You're living in sin. I mean, I don't, you know, not necessarily a bad person. Everybody here got some kind of sin going on. But I just was told when I grew up that when I got married that, or, or when I fell in love, marry the woman. Don't cheapen her by not committing my life to her. Now, that's what the Bible teaches. Now, some of you go, oh, I don't, he's, he's hard. No, that's what the Word of God says. We're not supposed to whore around. We're not supposed to sleep with just anybody and everybody. We're supposed to sleep with the one we're married to. Now, some of you are looking at me like, good, not a lie. What, what, did he have hot sauce on his Cheerios or something? No. It's just what the Bible says. And you young people, gosh, you need to hear this because you're being told at school that homosexuality is okay. Well, listen to this. Listen, that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. What is shameful desires? When women turn against the natural way to have sex, this is coming right out of the Bible, and instead indulge in sex with each other, female to female. And the men, instead of having normal sex relationships with women, burn with the lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result, suffered within themselves the penalty so richly deserved. When they refused to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their evil minds and let them do things they should have never done. Now, ladies and gentlemen... I was trying to be, rem- I was grieving yesterday. I was in bad shape. Alabama was whooping our tail. I was in sad shape. Greg, of all people, texted me and asked me what the score was. I knew he already knew what the score was. But I saw a ray of hope yesterday in the quarterback. Whoo, they have got a golden nugget. Anyway, here come this dumb commercial. Y'all probably seen it. Two guys sitting on the couch, and they're kind of loving up on one another. I I thought to myself, I don't want to see that. Now, let's balance it. Are we the same way when two good-looking women come on it? Ooh, I like to fail. (laughs) When two good-looking, do we develop that same hate? For sin? Huh? You see, if we ain't careful, we'll look at that two men sitting over there and say, oh, gosh, I would, and I wouldn't do that either. If my daddy could kiss me on my face, my sons can't, and, and I'm fine. I don't think bad. I think affection. I think love. But guys, don't go kissing me. couple of us guys sit at the Waffle House, four of us, and some of them have to get up and leave. And when it is, sometimes it's left us two sitting there together, and I immediately get up and go on the other side. I don't want them thinking there's two gay boys sitting there eating at the Waffle House. And me, one of them. I think about that all the time. 
Now, is those lifestyles funny? No. Are those lifestyles right? No. But neither is adultery. Neither is fornication. Neither is sex before marriage, period. It's supposed to be reserved for marriage. Now, I'm telling you this because this is what the Bible says. Now, some of you are going to say, oh, my God, I got to go home and try to explain this all to my kids. You should have done, done that. Because if you're waiting on them to get to school before they learn it at school, they're going to learn it how? Wrong. You're supposed to teach them. The Bible says, for me to have the desires for a man is wrong. My desire is supposed to be to a woman, and to a woman to a man, not to each other. Now, am I being hard on that? No, I am not. I'm just telling you what the book says. And you've got to obey this if you're going to be a real Christian. A real Christian, you've got to be, believe this if you're going to claim you know God. I was dreading that. And then the last is a holy practice. Verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Jesus Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. John 14, 20 says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and, a, and heart. Can I ask you a question? When y'all laid your head on the pillow last night, and when you woke up, did you have peace? Did you have peace of mind? Peace of heart? But there's sometimes, because of doubt, depression, frustration, Lack of faith, us trying to work it all out. You didn't wake up peaceful. And you know what? You go to bed every night and you wake up every night, you're not peaceful. The scripture says that we're supposed to be at peace in Jesus in our life. You say, Well, my. What does that mean? Well, I'll say this. Corey Tim Boom, I don't know if you've ever read anything of her stuff, but she said this. When I look at the world, I get distressed. When I look at myself, I get depressed. But when I look at Jesus, I'm at rest. If you don't have the ability to do that, now some people in the world, I know I hear my wife sometimes talking about the, I won't say heathens, but they are, of people where she works. And if you work with her, she didn't call you a heathen, okay? I, 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 there might be some barred people here, but, but if you're at, if you think God is a crutch, if you think believing in Jesus is, is not real, I, I, I pity you. Because it is. And it's the way you and I are supposed to live. Can I tell you a little bit of secret, a little secret about peace? Peace is not absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus in the midst of your problems. 
Hey, I, I wish I could preach a sermon that says you'll never have any more problems the rest of your life. But if you were born into this world, I got news for you. You're going to have problems. Just don't be you being the problem. Peace, you, can all, you can't always rejoice in your losses, but you can always rejoice in the Lord. Always. One of the reasons why we're so loaded down with burdens and cares and worries and have no peace is because we do not take everything to Jesus in prayer. We're carrying it ourselves. Oh, what we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Well, we've had two storms, y'all. North Carolina, we took two loads, and I got a good contact in Panama City. If you think that Katrina was bad, you ought to see what's happened to the coastline of Florida. We need to be helping them, and I'm willing to drive it. I've got a, a, a location on the other end. If you can get us, we'll try to get stuff out for you to start bringing in. We need to get a load to Florida. Through hurricanes, through the Pacific, the Atlantic, and now the Gulf. Did you know, oceanographers say, that when that big storm comes in, that 25 feet below that storm, the water is as calm as a pond on the June of a summer day. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to your life and mine, we need to find ourselves. I like what the, the, the hymn that said, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You know what? We need to learn to live in the contentment of the 25 feet deep when the storms go on and not be caught up in a destruction that Satan is so trying to bring on you and me when the storms come our way. Well, I just don't believe, Mike. I just don't believe that God is so simple that he can answer my little senseless prayers. Really? You don't really think God can do that. There was a woman who was 30-something years old. I think she's in her 30s, and she wasn't married, and she got saved. All of a sudden, she began to pray for a husband. Now, some of you, I hope that when you know that you're without a mate, you're supposed to pray. And you quit trying to provide yourself a mate. You're going to mess it up. Well, this lady was praying every night. Every night in her prayer, she would take a pair of pants and hang them on the bedroom door. And her prayer was she went to bed and knelt and prayed. She said, Father in heaven, hear my prayer and grant it if you can. I hung a pair of trousers here on the door. Now fill them with a godly man. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? 
godly man. Don't waste your don't waste yourself trying to pray for a fleshly man because they're everywhere. You guys in your dating life, I don't know if you're even old enough to date. If you was my house, you couldn't date until sixteen. Where are you gonna go? You can't drive. You want mom and dad to go with you? That's okay. You don't need to be dating nobody but Christians. Now, I'm not talking about people just attend church because some of you, you act like the devil from Monday to Saturday. Come to church, smile, make me think you are something. But, man, I'm telling you something. If I had a girl, it would be tough. I like what Johnny Hunt said. He said, when my girls dated, they had their boys. They couldn't start dating until they were 16. They had to come and see him and have a seat with him. He won't know where they're going. He won't know what they're doing, and he won't know when he's coming back. This preacher friend of mine, he's preached here before, but some of you probably don't remember him. His name was Harold Danley. Harold Danley got in his pulpit, and he was crazy. That's the craziest preacher I have met in my entire life. He said, I'll tell you what I did. Guy come wanting to date my daughter. He said, I got to talk to him first. Before he did, though, he came in and sat down. He took a sledgehammer, went out there, and beat the fenders in on the front of that boy's car. And then went in and said, now, I'm going to tell you something, boy. You mistreat my daughter, you're going to look like them fenders. Now, that would get my attention. I probably wouldn't date her, but that would get somebody's. Then he gave him $1,500. He said, here, now go get your car fixed. He said, that's the best $1,500 he ever spent because that boy did not disrespect that girl. Now, I want to tell you something. Some of you, like me, we, my girl's with Jesus, so he took care of them. But you got boys. And I'm telling you today, you, you may not believe this. I wish Jill was here. She'd verify this. If you are an adult, which I think is over 18, isn't it? And you kiss someone, kiss them now. I'm, I'm just talking about kiss them. If they're 13, 14 or something like that, and you, underage, and you kiss them, you can be... You can go to jail for statutory rape. Don't tell me because I saw it. I talked to the DA myself. Now, it's out of, out of, I told my wife, I said, dear Lord, I kissed her when she's 13 years old. I done went to jail. I can't run for political office because I kissed my wife at age 13. But that's how ridiculous our world's got. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a mess. But thank God that we've got a powerful God and that he puts us in in places of peace with him. And my prayer today is that you know Jesus with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that if you're real, then live it. If you're real then act like it. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.